You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Riley Davidson. Riley, thanks so much for being with me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Riley, you're the curator of the show called Work Work Liverpool Painting by Victor Boulay at Lubov Gallery, which just closed on February 12th. We're talking in March. So to begin with, um, in terms of being the curator, and, and Victor wanted you to be interviewed as, as opposed to him, but you play a special role in the show. I mean, Vic, you know, curators do a lot of, play a lot of different roles. They have different um, types of relationships to the artist and the exhibit. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to work with, with Victor for this particular show? Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I have been using Tumblr for a long time now, uh, and I happened upon his work one day because he hosts his site through Tumblr, and somehow it made its way onto my dashboard. And something struck me, and it was sort of in the beginning of my working directly with galleries. Um, at, at the point that I found him, I had curated a few shows, but nothing sort of notable at that point. And um, yeah, so I found him there and then went onto his website because there's just something compelling me there. And, and I cold emailed him and, and just let him know, hey, I don't know to what extent I'm reaching out to you, but I feel like I need to connect to you. I, I saw your I saw your paintings online, and I felt compelled by them. And there just seems to be something there, and and I don't know what I could do, but but I'd like to start a conversation. And um, and at first he was sort of he was sort of reticent. He was like, let's let's have a call. And I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, we had a phone call, and and at that point he he was. He was sort of um, confused as to how I found how I found him, and, and mentioned that he didn't really under really, didn't really fully grasp how the Tumblr uh, platform works. So at that point, we we just started the conversation, and and I and I told him, look, I want to do something in New York, and I was again early on working for galleries, and I didn't necessarily know if it should be a gallery that I worked for or to continue sort of a parallel pursuit um, in, in curating. So it went through a few different iterations until finally I realized, you know, Francisco gave me the first opportunity to, to stage an exhibition in, in New York and in general, actually. And, and I, I love what he does. And I think what he presents in New York is really, really singular and really, really particular to the city and what he's excited about. So I offered him in the end of last, or sorry, the beginning of last year, uh, the show, and and we've been working on it ever since. So, so yeah, over the course of a few years, I just got to know Victor better and better, and uh, you know, as that relationship grew, it became quite clear that this this situation was was singular. And I think I think the relationship I have with Victor has continued to be one that really excites me and and we're we're in support of one another and we we touch base often so so yeah that's a sort of long long-winded explanation but yeah well well then thanks for that and we'll, we'll we'll get more into that there was um the show there was actually two shows wasn't there there was a show as as i understand which which i didn't realize 
earlier, but if I'm correct, there was a show that, that ran January 13th to February 12th, and then the show that ran February 15th to February 26th. Is that correct? Were those two different shows, or was that the same show? Right. So essentially, it's under one umbrella, but there was a three-week painting show, and then those paintings were then dismounted and um, placed into the corner of the gallery with felt covering most of them. And, and then a, an exhibition of drawings replaced those paintings with a few paintings installed in, in a corner. And, um, uh, but yeah, so they're not necessarily two discrete shows, but they're recognized on a CV as such, I suppose. But they, they really are under the same umbrella. But the show changed. I mean, that's a really interesting curatorial uh, collaboration there. It's, it's, of course, it's, we could say it's one long show, but actually the show was, was remounted and new work was added um, at almost the end of the show, right? That's, that's right. pretty unusual and, and interesting, like curatorial choice, gallery choice, that, that, that I haven't seen uh, an exhibit work quite like that before. Yeah, and uh, again, Victor and I have a really specific relationship, and that, that was something that he offered and introduced to the to the you know, brought to the plate himself the idea of restaging a show uh, for the final week. And I think, too, when we first started talking with one another, you know, a couple years ago, he initially brought up the idea of doing a painting or a a drawing show first before paintings. And um, it ended up being the other way around. But really, he starts out from the drawings. The drawings are extremely diaristic. And to close a show with those and to have this sort of, um, he calls the paintings that were, that were, you know, as I mentioned in the, the press release, dethroned as being sort of sorrow mongers. So it's a sad state to place these paintings on, in the corner with the, with the blanket covering them. But it's a, it's a move to sort of, you know, uh, create a fracture between two different states of, of, ex, of exhibiting works, you know. Um, so that was, that was the idea there. Well, it's also a way of perceiving the works and handling them. I mean, to, you, you wrote a text for this show um, that, that begins with, I'm not leaning in any other direction but my very own pit of sorrow and existential crawl, and that's in italics, and then it goes into your text, which is Victor the Grouch, he resents his neighbors for their neglected waste bins. Victor the Sequestered, in seven years he visits, received four visits from friends. Victor the Enlightened, and, and, and it goes on and on, talking about the show in, in a, a very unusual way. So um, let's talk about this text a little bit first, because uh, it, 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 of course, brought me right in. It's a great piece of writing, and, and it also seems that this is something that I would imagine to some extent was, was a collaboration, or how did Victor feel about this writing? How, how did this writing come about is, is what I'm asking, and, um, and, and Victor's involvement in it. Yeah, so the italics, which I chose not to sort of, um, you know, underline as being directly from him, were, in fact, directly from him. And those were plucked from, you know, as, as the hundreds of messages that have been exchanged between the two of us. And there were points during our conversations and during our ongoing, you know, relationship that, I would get messages out of the blue and and then respond to them and and 
he would send me information. He would send me things to look at. He would say, go look at this show and send me a photo um, via email. You know, so, so I just looked so back. So hold, hold on. When, when, he said, go, go look, when he said go look at the show, he's not talking about his show or, or another show? Like which shows that you were looking yes, at? Um, basically, there are shows in New York, of course. So he was, uh, I guess this is when, when I got into contact with him towards the end of his tenure in um, in Liverpool, so he wasn't able to see a lot of, and continues to not be able to see the sh- shows in New York. So he would essentially send me out, you know, look at this Francis Bacon painting and send me a photo. Um, so, so that was the sort of thing that was going on. And I would go out and I would send him pictures uh, based on whatever exhibition that he was interested in seeing and, and seeing directly from, from my vantage point too. And that was a way of us getting to know each other as well through, um, you know, despite the distance. And so, yeah, um, the the italicized sentences that are included in the in the original text are messages directly from him, whether they're in their entirety or I've I've sort of bracketed certain points. I think too, it's important that he had a voice in this in this text. That was that was important for me. And and so to jump into the paintings because you know that's exciting and from, from a curator's point of view, from an artist's point of view, the way you found his work and even the way you're you're collaborating sounds um, sounds special. You know, there's a kind of an intimacy there and a, and even a sense of fun that um, that I would imagine you both enjoyed. It's it's an unusual approach and and to talk about his paintings and perhaps. Um, get to get right into them. There's one called uh, Bin Man, 2020-2021, and there's a few of the Bin Man. Um, this one is 63 by 51. He's uh, the Bin Man or a figure is sitting at a table with a white tablecloth. It looks like there's a mm-hmm. large green boot he's stepping into and a kind of a, a face on his lap. So the yeah. Bin Man appears yeah. several times, but... but um, Tell me a little bit about this, because some characters come back in his drawings and paintings seem to recur. And, of course, with Bin Man, I want to talk about this one and, and a few others of Bin Man have this, um, something painful about them, too, uh, a, bi- a little bit like uh, Francis Bacon, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about that one. The, the, the Bin Man I'm talking about, or we could talk about Bin Man in general, but this is such an unusual painting. Not only do we see the kind of table and perspective that looks like it's almost kind of contents are dumping out on us. We're looking down at him, but, but there's also a, what looks like drawings on the wall next to him of, of other artworks. And again, yeah, this very unusual kind of face in his lap, apparently. Can you tell me yeah, about this well, one? Or, yeah. yeah, of course. Um, this is one of the first pieces I saw of his online too, before I even reached out and you know, compelled me to the practice. But essentially he is, the bin man and he resents his position as the bin man when he was living in Liverpool he was tasked with sort of taking care of the neighbor's trash Just, there was quite a bit of controversy in terms of uh, an unlocked fence an unlocked gate around the the um, the circle of neighbors that shared a that shared a common trash zone and so he he in order to protect the area from getting you know robbed or from people breaking in he made sure that he was the one taking out the trash and and in so far as he was you know he assumed that role he also never really received a thanks or or it was just, it was a thankless job <laughs> needless to say and he writes about this in, in the the text 
on this is available on his on his site, but also too in a in a sort of catalog that he sent me a few years back that he self published and and I poured over that before I got to work directly with the paintings and and read through all of the, the texts that were written by both him and and friends and and there's a whole story that he untangles in there about being the bin man and and expressing this sort of sorrow of 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 the role that he assumes that that he first took on as a sort of you know gesture to 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 protect the space, but then it became this thing that he was then charged with uh, after the fact. And and this was this was in a kind of apartment living situation, so he was taking over, kind of organizing the garbage or the the, the bin for the garbage for not just himself but other residents in the building. That then they they expected of him after he was doing for a while? From my understanding, it was more of like a, a you know, a series of houses clustered together that, that shared a, a common trash area or, or whatnot. And, and there had been some sort of robbery if I'm, or, or potential break-in, if I'm remembering correctly. And that was kind of the impetus for him to go ahead and, and take care of business. And then, again, once he assumed the role, it became this thing that, then he grew to resent. So let's talk about that that um, that role in these paintings. There's there's three paintings uh, of of Bin Man that that I'm thinking of, and one is the one that I described with a green boot. Another looks mm-hmm. like he's uh, almost resting, but I can't tell whether there's like a couple underneath the table uh, having sex. That, that's not completely clear. And then there's a third one where there's a very distraught looking potentially bin man on the table, someone else uh, sitting down um, and someone else in his lap. There's a number of characters and distortions here. So, you know, let's talk about these because these are, these are beautiful paintings in terms of how they're painted, the way he's using white, the way he's using color and light. Um, But this is, you know, almost, almost a triptych, almost like, um, you know, reminiscent of some of Bacon's work, but something very different is happening here with these kind of extra figures. And it almost seems like a sense of humor, which um, I don't think Francis Bacon did have, but I could be wrong. Um, What's your read on these paintings and and what's happening here? Because I understand that the issue you're talking about with with Bin Man and what became a kind of awkward or or, uh, kind of relationship to, to people and his surroundings but these paintings seem sort of solitary, and, and the one that looks like there's a couple under the table, you know, seems like it's either something of a fantasy or, or or a completely different element. Yeah, so I think, speaking to that, there's a lot more wrapped up in them than, you know, just the, the narrative about having been a bin man. I think he's dealing a lot with a despair that was really prominent during his time in Liverpool. He he was pretty isolated, save for his family, his wife and, and daughters who then went on to graduate and and left and um and so I think he's dealing with like being a solidar a solitary figure and and there's of course I think something's been read into them before, there's an abjection there and like a sort of unraveling of form and and there's something disturbing there, but also, you know, when I when I looked at these paintings in person and confronted every corner of the canvas, they're so well painted and there's something that's so beautiful happening in them that I think despite perhaps some of the more disturbing elements, there's something really 
there's something really compelling, uh, you know, the viewer in in the way that they're the way that they're painted because he's so good at painting. And I think in a time now where painting's sort of outsized and and overwrought with a lot of different, you know, I, I would say there's too much wet painting going on these days. And uh, and I think he really makes a case for painting still being vital. And I think that's absolutely clear in these paintings that were on view at. at in this show, and and then again too, we did a show in in LA late 2022, and those were smaller works, all to do with sort of Chopin, and then again Victor's always inscribed in the work, so he was also featured in them somewhat. Um, but uh, yeah, too, just seeing them in person and dealing with you know the space, the the texture, color, of course, there's. They're amazing. I'm yeah, they're amazing. They are. And when you say he's he's featured in the works, you mean in the sense that these these are uh, self portraits almost in, in some cases. I think for me, uh, defining them as self portraits seems like there there's there's a self in them. I don't necessarily know that he would consider them all self portraits, but but I think he's inextricably linked to the figures in them. And and there are some that are directly paintings of him, and you can see that being the case. And um, th- But self-portrait feels like a little too, you know, uh, specific or, or capital S, capital P. And and to talk about, uh, I think, one more painting that, that, that I really love. I mean, as you say, the, you know, the colors, the way these are painted – Compositions are really very special. There was one called uh, No Sun. There is one called No Sun, about 18 by 16. And this is um, a profile of a head laying in in what looks like the grass with a very long nose, kind of like Pinocchio's nose when he's lying. But the the colors and the way the paint's applied is... um, it's really kind of amazing here. There's an enormous amount of yellow, which looks like the sun, but the sun you know, is is textured. It, it has almost that kind of sense, the way of, like Van Gogh would use such such saturated colors. And um, and, and just the whole palette of it, from, from blacks to deep reds to oranges and and yellows is, is quite beautiful. And in a way, it looks almost, um, has this contrast, or this is how I read it, of what looks like an extraordinarily sunny day on the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, it's titled No Sun, and uh, that figure in the, in the grass, that head, that, that the bit of it that we can see, and the nose that, yeah, it does look like Pinocchio's nose when he's lying. It looks like something else is happening there that's the opposite. In other words, it looks like um, some kind of existential misery on an incredibly beautiful day. Is, is, mm-hmm. Am I far off in that, or is that part of what's happening here? I think that's a pretty good read. I think that's, yeah, I think what you mentioned about the existential dread too, uh, I sort of referenced that in, in some of the texts as well, and, and Victor and I have had a lot of conversations about that. I think this was a really, this seven-year period that he was living in Liverpool was extremely uh, existentially dreadful for him, and I think that's absolutely something going on in this in this painting and in all of them you know, with the dying flowers and the sort of deformed figures. And, um, you know, I think with this painting, too, there's something like, despite there being sun in the sky, it doesn't feel so sunny when you're in that 
and, and when you're bogged down by that sort of temperament. That's great. You know, I, I thanks so much for talking to me about this show. I, to, to step back a little bit on these shows you've, you've mounted with Victor, uh, for Victor, uh, how has this I- impacted him and, and, and the work? Um, I imagine there's a lot of talk about the work. It's, it's not just me talking about it. There's, uh, of course, collectors and, and the interested public. How, do, how, how are the conversations coming along from that? How did these shows uh, work out is what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, they're a curatorial success. They're an artistic mm-hmm. success. How was essentially the, the public reacting to this? How do, how do you see the kind of, not just success of the shows, but, but what it meant for him to have these shows at this time? Well, one of my favorite responses whenever artists are specifically traveling to come to a show that you know, we've worked on together is when they, they leave saying, I've got to get back to the studio. You know? uh, that was the feeling, that was the sense I got from him where he was energized by, of course, being in New York. It had been a long time since he'd been here. And I think seeing what could happen and how a show like this could be staged and seeing it in a context outside of the sort of um, the tunnel vision that was the, the Liverpool years, um, it was extremely, it was, it was impactful. And, and I think both of us shared that sense that what we had done was really, it was special and, and not, not just outwardly so, but between the two of us, it was a really important thing to have done together. And then, you know, to hear my, my friends who are painters and writers and, and everything come and say, this was a meaningful show for me to see, or I'm so glad to see good painting happening. And that was, and I think he felt it, and I, I know he felt it. Um, and to see the response online, it was fantastic. We got a couple write-ups. That was amazing, reading those um, reading those reviews from White Hot and, and the Brooklyn Rail. I think everything really went... Uh, according to and, and better than planned. So that's always what you sort of hope for. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to both you and Victor on this. Uh, really exciting to talk to you about all this and to see all this. Before we go, I want to ask you one more question that's a little off topic, but I'm always curious what everyone's reading. What are you reading at the moment? I'm reading Marsha Tucker's autobiography, A Short Life of Trouble. It's um, her sort of testament to how she came to be, you know, create the new museum and coming from the Whitney and dealing with bureaucracy and, of course, uh, being a woman in the art world in the mid-late 20th century. It's really, really compelling. Riley, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well, and I wish uh, Victor Boulay, of course, well with his continuing exhibitions. And, uh, and thank you both so much for putting this together. Thanks to Victor for making all these wonderful works, and thank Thank you, Riley, for, uh, for organizing this. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.